Welcome to Frazzle Frat. We're back to talk books, coffee, pop culture, and more. I'm Ashton. I'm Allie. Um, fun fact, remember the last time we recorded and I was like, I'm losing my voice. It's because I have tuberculosis. <laughs> I literally, yeah. that night, took my You literally had tuberculosis? Yeah. No, that night I took my temperature and I had a fever <laughs> that lasted then for like four more days. I was like, oh, okay. I got sick, but I didn't have COVID. I didn't have the flu. I just had some weird ass random virus. But um, what is it? the vapors? <laughs> the vapors. Yeah, the vapors. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, it's actually on brand for for today's episode. I was like, just gonna say, I, I, I go to just, I go to the sea. I think you're just recovery. getting on. You're just prepping. Um, well, you'd already read the book. Never mind. So anyway, <laughs> not important. <laughs> I was embodying it. I was embodying it. Yes. That book had that much effect on you. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better. Mm, Me too. It's going, everybody's getting sick though. It's like, not me. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. I mean, what else is new though? It's December. I mean, I'm traveling next week, so there's a good chance that I'll get something. Yeah. Well, you're traveling air. I'm just driving in Jimmy's car. So unless he like killed something and left it under the seat. I'm pretty oh okay. <laughs> well, yeah, let's hope that <laughs> for a lot. Well, I don't reasons. know when like any bacteria would be in his car. He's pretty clean about his car, so <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what happens that makes like sh- traveling public transit other people. I'm assuming. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> say other people too. <laughs> I'm not a scientist. Oh, you're not a scientist. Okay. No. Well, anyways, um. Other than being healthy, what else is new with you? (laughs) Uh, Well, I don't know that I'd call myself healthy. But anyway, um, I am really cramming for Christmas at work and with like gifts and stuff. It's always hard because I don't want to take people's gifts with me to Texas. So I've been like ordering them and having them shipped to Texas. I'm trying to make sure I've got everyone on my list. And like at work, like trying to get a few things done before the holidays. So I'm kind of just like crawling towards December 22nd, man. Like mm-hmm. it's just one more week. Um, hopefully it's a slow one, but I'm ready for like some rest and just like doing nothing. Yeah. I mean, this episode will come out after Christmas. So um, you'll be done by the time this comes out. But I did the thing where you're doing is like I have, I'm having stuff ship to my mom's office because it's a business and it's more likely like they'll have, they'll be able to receive the packages um, oh yeah and not have them stolen like exactly my fucking building stealing all the packages well, if you're out there package thief and you're listening i'll find you <laughs> i watch out <laughs> my building my building fucking sucks guys we we still don't have gas and now we have like the package thieves are everywhere. Like sometimes it'll happen occasionally, but around the holidays, like, but that to be fair, that's not just you. Like for, no, it's not in this apartment in my old apartment. Like if a, if like a gift or something came late, like after Christmas and I was already like gone and I don't go, I don't go to New Jersey for a long period of time. I'm only there for like, usually like less than five days Mm -hmm. only there, like for the necessary time. And um if I miss it I'll come back and he'll say like I'll watch the tracking I'll say delivered and then almost always no matter what building I've been in it's gone by the time I get back to the building if like 
I'm not there like the few days after Christmas. Um, so yeah, people just kind of suck, but <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it backfired on me. The planning though, because uh, my mother opened her gift. Oh my god, mom! <laughs> she like texted me a picture of it. She's like, "Is this meant for you?" And I was like, "Why would you open the package?" She's like, <laughs> "I mean, it had my name on it. I thought it was for work." And I was like, "What vendor for hearing aids?" Because my mother's an audiologist would be named Rag Trader Vintage. <laughs> 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 like they're uh, like cool hearing aids <laughs> they're vintage hearing aids oh they're the ones from the 80s that like have a chain down i don't know <laughs> it's just oh like well now you don't have to wrap it that's nice no it's like part of a gift it's like a gift that i'm putting together like it's not um, the whole thing so now i'm like great whatever <laughs> it was supposed to be like whatever i don't even want to talk about it but i okay, just fair enough, i just like we were just talking about packages and i was just i was so pissed off yesterday i was like why would you open it but um <laughs> that's my mother <laughs> oh. <laughs> can't get anything past her um oh yeah no speaking you know that's really all that's new with me what's new with you um i've discovered that i personally love this new thing that i made up because uh as you know off pod i've been trying to figure out ways to like romanticize little things in my life uh-huh. um and to calm the fuck down because i have a problem with that so okay. i've decided that i'm going to do what i call seasonal self-care yeah <laughs> just once a quarter no i'm not i can't afford that once once every six months <laughs> once every six months once every half <laughs> yeah so i like i like do a self-care weekend and what that entailed was i just recently did it where I got a mani-pedi which I never do because I like having my nails done don't get me wrong I don't get like acrylics or anything but like and I paint my nails at home but I like getting the whole you know a professional Mm -hmm. thing I can't afford it I can't afford to keep up with it every two to four weeks you know that's expensive for me and if you are someone that does that good for you um I remember my mother used to get her nails done like every two three weeks or something um A lot of women do actually, mm-hmm. uh, but I got that on for on a Friday night, and then Saturday I got up, and I went. There is this. I'm not gonna give the name because one, I don't want people to know exactly where I live, but two, mm-hmm. I want to keep keep the fuck out of this place for a little bit because it was. <laughs> um, I went. There's literally this spa that's like across the street for me which I had no idea was there until like I looked it up on like Google Maps I was like why does this address look so close um and it's in this like warehouse building in Brooklyn and Ashton like you walk in as a regular lobby and you like you have to go in and change into like a robe they give you and like you have to wear flip-flops and like you can either wear like your underwear underneath or like they recommend bringing like a swimsuit and then you go through the door into the spa and it's huge it's like a whole fucking resort. It's like, there's like lounge chairs. There's a fireplace with like a table and stuff. There's individual like half twin size beds with like curtains you can lounge in. There's a bar, there's a restaurant. And that's just like in the w- main area. Then you can go into like the wet lounge area, which is like a pool, a sauna, a steam room, like all of that. Ooh, did you steam? No, because mm-hmm. I didn't want to bring a bathing suit. And I only went for services. I went for 
uh, I got a hot stone massage. Um, so lovely. Cause like the way I beat my body up with exercise, like I just needed to do it. And, um, and then afterwards I went for a facial cause like just to clean out all the crap, which just turned out, she was like, yeah, you really don't need that much done. You just need like a little bit of the extractions, which if anybody's ever done it, extractions hurt like a motherfucker, but yeah, they're worth it. Um, so she like, more, like did some of my chest, like the upper chest and like decolletage. Dropped... Is that what that is? Isn't it? I don't know. I'm not fancy. Maybe. Maybe. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, it was lovely. I walked out and I like thought I was like a fucking newborn baby. Oh. And then... I came home and this is my version of self-care. I took an edible and cleaned an entire closet all night. Um, that sounds amazing. While watching Bridget Jones. And then Sunday I just oh took God. like a, I took like a, like a Epsom salt bath with some wine and a book. I mean, Hell yeah. so the whole weekend is spread out. It was lovely. It's like, I never, like, it was just an idea, but the fact that I actually executed it, which I always have all these crazy ideas. I mean, you know, you get all my, like, voice <laughs> audios um, of me, like, being like, I have this idea. And you're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but I highly recommend doing something like this. I'm going to do it again because it's, like, yeah. it's a reset. It's a lovely reset. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I want to go back already. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Like, it's like high maintenance to be low maintenance kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, that was like my little thing. I never do anything anymore. I don't go out that much. Um, or like, you know, I've been very like, in, you know, working on my internal self. Um, mm-hmm. So this <laughs> definitely was a nice little splurge, I guess. Good. And it's, it's definitely a splurge with money, but like it wasn't crazy expensive. <laughs> Hey, but YOLO, um, as the as the youth say. Well, <laughs> they're not used. I'm pretty sure YOLO is like the millennial. As the thing. millennials say. Our millennials are like 40 now. Whatever. We're millennials. <laughs> well, we're zillennials. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, YOLO. But, yeah. All right. Well, I don't know. I was just I I was just losing my train of thought so um (laughs) what uh what else have you been up to not much I went to a book event this week um for not even one of my authors which was a nice change I went to a book event for um I didn't know I needed this Eli Rollo's book um and it was so cute it was at Sony Hall downtown it was like standing room only the place was packed and like I didn't think book events could be that busy but it was really fun it was cool and then I went to the Daily Show last night with an author, which was really, really cool. Um, yeah, it's been a busy week. I'm excited to just like chill and do nothing. Mm. Yeah. Tonight or in general? Because we have a dinner date tomorrow night. Uh, tonight and Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you better not cancel on me. I read reservations. No, I'm not canceling on you. But Saturday, I plan to like just sit in my bed and rot and read and do absolutely nothing. Mm, that does sound lovely speaking of reading I am behind on my reading challenge because I got sick and I couldn't I couldn't function I was so so out of sorts with my fever um I think it's so funny because you wrote on the docket like you had only read one book because you were sick and slightly dying and I'd only read like one book and a few hundred pages of the other because I'm just like slow especially like this time of year I guess 
And so you're like, oh yeah, I'm not reading as much because I'm dying. And I'm like, ah, this is my normal pace. <laughs> yeah. But to be fair, you also read for work. So like, yeah. you know what I mean? And your work is more in depth that way. And you're more uh, like later hours too. I have the opportunity for the most part to like actually close the laptop at five. Yeah. Um, I don't always get that chance, but I usually try to strive for that. And I, I've been very good about my whole uh, reading at least 20 minutes a night before bed thing. Um, so you do read at night? Like, is that the only time I've did like on a general day, like a regular no. day? Do you read in the morning too? Or depends. Um, so with my, with my workout schedule, I shifted it for the colder seasons. Mm-hmm. So um, instead of getting up and going for like a run in the mornings, like I do in the summer and stuff, I've been getting up and doing a little bit of yoga and then um, I'll go for like a walk. But if like the timing doesn't work out for like a walk before I have to log on, um, I'll just sit and read. And then uh, for my lunch breaks, I'll sit down um, for about at least at least 15 minutes and like have my meal, which has been like soup still. Um, I love soup. I love soup at this point. Um, and like read for at least 15 minutes and then I'll walk afterwards. So I usually time it with like my quote unquote, like rests or breaks. Um, and then I've started doing this thing where I have like a little mini stepper. Mm Um, I, you know, I swear I'm not jacked or anything. I sound like I could be because like the amount of <laughs> exercise I do. But don't don't worry. The Italian in me forever will give me hips and an ass and all that jazz. I'm not jacked as shit. But um, it's all muscle. May actually, <laughs> a lot of it is muscle. But uh, anyways, um, the stepper. I have been like using it because it gets dark at like you know four yeah um it gets dark so early now uh I used to like to go walk after work but um now I'll just step on the stepper I can't believe I just said that step on the step step <laughs> I'll hop on it um and I'll read while you while like mm-hmm. moving because it's yeah. like I'm not going anywhere and it's like kind of like the equivalent of like someone having a walking pad yeah and I'll just set a timer for like an hour. I'll put on a playlist and I'll just read for an hour. So that's yeah. been like a nice little addition to my routines. I don't always do it, but yeah, it's nice. I think part of the reason that I haven't been reading this much lately is I've been like busier. So, and I only read at night typically. Mm-hmm. So then by the time I get in bed, I'm like falling asleep. Reading. Like I'm nodding off and not comprehending. So I haven't been able to get through as much. Maybe if I read on my lunch break or tried to read in the morning before work, I could get more in. But I feel like by the time I get in bed, I'm just like exhausted. Yeah. I mean, it helps that one, I'm a grandma too. <laughs> um, so I don't have much of a social life like you. Like I haven't read as much right now because I've had holiday parties after work like yeah. those past weeks. So like I was out late and stuff. Um, hey, <laughs> <laughs> don't blame me blame the three martinis but um yeah i just like <laughs> i totally lost my train of thought okay so when you have been reading what have you been reading <laughs> just this one book because like i can't i mean i finished the tia williams um that i mm-hmm. talked about on the last pod and it was cute um 
And I, you know, I don't remember if I talked about the finish of uh, Masters of Death. No, I don't think you did. I know I told you about it. But I you told me it. about it, but I don't think you told the pod about it. Mm. Well, um, it's a fantastic book. Like, Olivia Blake can do the freaking wrong in my world at this I'm point. I'm so excited to read it. It is... Um, it's just like right up my alley. Like you're going to read it and you're going to be like, okay, yeah, this is alley. Like yeah. to a T. Like it's got, it's got mythology. It's got like, you know, smart, witty banter. It's got like. Dark academia you know, vibes, right? It does. It does have dark academia. Not as much as Atlas six, but um, it's there. And then it's got supernaturalism and um like philosophical content and then also it's got like love stories and it's adorable and like I'm not a romance I know for you to say that I'm really excited I was like I was grinning when I was reading it I I like you know like a little giddy bitch so (laughs) (laughs) nice (laughs) yeah so of course I had to change it up after that and I'm now reading a Mona Awad book which is nice. her latest one, Rouge, um, which is twisted and fucked up. Yeah, is, I, love I would expect story. nothing less. I love her. She's so weird. It's great. It's just great. It's I still so- haven't read any of her stuff. I have, like, Megan has Bunny. I have All's Well and Rouge, and I haven't read any of it. They're on my list. I just never get to that. I know. I think I stole All's Well from you, and then I, like, you spilled did. coffee on it. Well, it felt so bad. So care. This is how I operate. I like want to like respect my books and I do, but like I'm also me and I somehow destroy them because a lot of times like my nighttime routine involves me putting on like oil or lotion on my like body. And so like the oil gets on like the piece and like because I read in my bed while I drink my tea and the magnesium sets in because again, I'm a grandma and that's also why I can get so much reading in at night is because I settle in at nine. <laughs> yeah. Like I like am because if I don't drink the tea by like nine ish, I'm going to like, I'm not going to be able to fall asleep by like 10 and I'm not going to be able to get up at five and five. Oh, oh my God. No, thank you. I never want to see five in the morning. One five a day is all I need. Good God. That's early. <laughs> <laughs> it's so I could get everything in, you know? No, I mean, Hey, I respect the hell out of it. It could not be me could not be me it's okay jimmy <laughs> jimmy went to a movie last night and it was like god i don't know like at 9 30 was a showing like he goes a text you want to get there i was like cool i'll probably be in bed by the time you actually get there <laughs> jimmy gets like kidnapped on the street you're like oh, I know. <laughs> no he's like six five he's not going anywhere he's yeah like, <laughs> no anyway. anyways <laughs> I don't know how I got it. What was the one book that you read? Um, the book club book. <laughs> and that's well, basically a novella. Um, but I'm I, proud of you. Thank you. But I have been working my way through um, Tower of Dawn still. But yeah, I've really been reading The Awakening and it's a lot more dense. So it, t- it took a little longer. And by the time I finished, like I divided it up by however many days. And so I was like, I'll read that. And then tower of dawn but by the time i finished my awakening reading every night i was like oh i'm sleepy <laughs> so anyway. yeah i remember this was a hard read to read at night um so yeah, i'm right good. there with you should we get into it we can um so 
this uh, month's book club is, if you haven't guessed it already, <laughs> The Awakening by Kate Chopin. So um, I'll read the little synopsis from Amazon and then we can probably give a little summary about the book. So okay, anybody's listening. Um, so it is set in New Orleans and the southern Louisiana coast at the end of the 19th century. The plot centers on Edna Pontellier. It's French. And her struggles French. to reconcile her increasingly unorthodox views on femininity and motherhood with the prevailing social attitudes of the turn of the century American South. So uh, I got a little extra facts about it and how it was written and published by 1899. And it was actually originally titled A Solitary Soul, which I think is interesting that that was the original title and it changed the awakening. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, do you want to give like a little synopsis or do you want me to give a synopsis? Yeah, I guess I'll start and then you come in and you can (laughs) add. Um, So it starts out on the Grand Isle, um, which I guess is like like a vacation destination, right? Like outside of New Orleans. and it's got the main character, Edna Pontellier, and her husband, Léonce, I think is his name. And she basically, like, over the course of this vacation is like, oh, like, I don't really want to be, like, a stereotypical, like, mom and wife. And that kind of sucks. So I'm just going to not do that. Um, she meets a guy named Robert, um, whose mother, like, owns... I think like like their family like owns the land and like all of the cottages for the vacation place. And she gets really close with Robert. Um, it's so rudimentary. Please jump in if I'm seeing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other characters too. There's what there's Ma- um, Mademoiselle. How do you say her name? Rays, Rays, Rains, um, and um, Madame or Mademoiselle uh, Adele. Yes, Rain, she goes by Rain Adele. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, she goes by Adele. So um, there are all these characters that are introduced here, and then they kind of go their separate way back to New Orleans after the summer. And Edna continues to think about Robert and being a mother and being a wife, and she kind of just, like, decides that she doesn't want to do it anymore. Um, And her husband's away on business, and she, like, moves out of the house, essentially, um, and kind of like tries to do the thing on her. And I think her kids go stay with her dad or her, yeah, her dad and her sister uh, upstate, I think. Um, and yeah, so it's it's kind of just, then she's got another suitor, Arabin, um, when she gets back to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Robert goes to Mexico. She's pining for him. Um, <laughs> okay. And yeah. Um, yeah, that's a pretty good, summary um just like a few clarifications robert was a friend so they were all vacationing together so think of it as like multiple families vacationing in the same community Mm -hmm. and robert was just part of the group it wasn't like a love thing when they were on the beach uh it was just more like everybody was vacationing and Edna was more inclined to go off on her own and a lot of times robert would just join her for company um, and then Robert decided at the beach to go to Mexico. He decided to leave abruptly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was upon his departure that Edna started to realize that she uh, was infatuated with him. And yep. 
uh, was missing him. And that made her start questioning all of her other things, like mm-hmm. you said. Um, and then, yes, when Tried she was, <laughs> it's okay. Um, and when she was in back in New Orleans in the city in the French Quarter, um, she was increased, she increasingly started to kind of grasp at different ways for independence um, and pursuing her own passions. And she was trying to figure out what those were. Mm-hmm. And um, that led her to become closer with Mademoiselle Reese, who is a pianist mm-hmm. and um, somewhat become estranged with the other friend, Adele, who was mm-hmm. a devoted mother and wife. Um, and then during this time, she remained married to Leonce, but Leonce was very strictly a gentleman's man. So he preferred the companies of men. He did not really care to converse or truly be around his wife unless it was for like practical purposes mm-hmm. so um anyways uh that's kind of like the gist of it and then you know it the story evolves as we you know go more into Edna's point of view and then um we I guess we'll talk about the ending later when we kind of discuss more of the points but yeah that's kind of like the gist of it and one of the things to note is that during this time, uh, it's right around the Gilded Age. Uh, so it's like when we have authors like Edith Wharton coming onto the scene. Um, and it was a very big time for female writers or, um, and I should say these are privileged writers in, in their own. These are both two white women. Um, but It's a time where a lot of novels were being presented from a female's point of view that were written by women Mm -hmm. and uh, that were giving a different perspective of what women thought, felt, and were capable of than previously where all of their, you know, worlds were kind of driven by the mother or the lover or... Mm -hmm. um, the wife and it was uh kind of just a new new age of writing from the female perspective um and by by female authors so it was a very interesting time i feel like (laughs) for this type of work um and apparently kate chopin was one of the forefront writers uh Mm -hmm. for that movement so anyways um (laughs) No. Um, so I don't know if you want to start with your first point sure, um, and get into it. Sure. So <clears throat> the English major in me immediately thought, um, so there's this trope called the angel in the house in a Victorian novel um, that you see a lot in early Victorian novels. It comes from a poem. It was, it was written by Coventry Patmore, where he basically says in a poem like his wife is the angel in the house and that kind of becomes the ideal woman um and at first it's kind of like um like a convention it's like a genre unironically like this is just how women are supposed to be and then over the course of the Victorian era like people start playing with it and pushing back against it like in this book I would say um like obviously Adele is the angel in the house and that's immediately what I thought and then when I googled angel in the house to get a little background and refresh myself it was like example Adele in the awakening so 
she kind of like embodies this trope. Um, so I thought that was like an interesting use of the trope and the way that Chopin like starts to turn it on its head. Um, like you said, she's kind of a leader of that movement. Um, and I mean, she kind of like, and kind of becomes like the devil in the house. Like she just like, is like an agent of chaos. Um, and she kind of flips that script. So I just kind of wanted to mention that uh, trope of Victorian lit and the Victorian literature era went through 1901 when Victoria died. So we're like right on the end of it here with the awakening in 1899. Um, so just interesting. And then later we have Virginia Woolf in like the 1930s. I think she said like the, the role of the female writer is to kill the angel of the house, which I love. Um, so we're starting to see like the first inklings of that here. So that's my English major hat for just a second, but wanted to point that out. No, that's that's good. I was not an English major, so I've never heard of that. Um, but that actually tracks a lot because um, one of the things that I I pointed out was that like there was this juxtaposition between Mademoiselle Race and Adele, and I felt like one was. Mademoiselle Race was considered rude and poor company to a lot of people because she said what she thought. It wasn't always nice. Mm -hmm. And um, she kept her own house. Like when they went back to New Orleans after the sea, she kept her own house. She had her own company. She came and went as she pleased. Um, and she hosted anybody she wanted to. Like sometimes men would come over mm -hmm. because she was such a talent and um, because her artistry kind of was like her world. Mm -hmm. um, and Edna was definitely drawn to her because she was drawn to the way music made her felt, feel and mm -hmm. emote like extreme passion, mm -hmm. which Edna hadn't felt in a very long time, if ever. So yeah. she was kind of like drawn towards her but if you notice in the beginning, Edna was more drawn towards Adele. And I feel like that's because she was pushed onto Adele because um, I guess Adele is the angel of the house. I didn't even yeah. know, but that that makes a lot of sense um, because she was known to be the perfect mother who loved mm -hmm. to just pop out babies every five seconds and was always like, of course I'm going to be pregnant again. Like, yeah. what, what else am I good for? And then she actually... I think she actually adored her husband. Like they liked to talk and spend time together. She didn't really go anywhere without him. She was not like, mm -hmm. or she didn't like to be alone from him too much. Yeah. Um, they had a good relationship or at least on in the book mm -hmm. they did. Yeah. And in the beginning by the sea, Edna's kind of like not thrust upon Adele more, but she's encouraged to be yeah. with Adele and kind of like takes everybody else's perspective of mademoiselle race until she hears her play yeah and then she's like okay there's a reason this woman is like this it's because she can be because she's just so talented and amazing and i feel like as the story progressed with edna trying to figure out where she fell in between them i like how she you said that she was an agent of chaos and i think she was operating in a way that they were trying to build her up onto this mantle and pedestal of mm -hmm. where Adele was. And she tried to climb it, but she realized she didn't want to do it. Yeah. And then she's looking over at like a different area where Mademoiselle race is. And she's like, okay, like I kind of want to be over there, but I don't know how to get there. So she'd have to, she had to destroy 
her pedestal. She had yeah. to destroy the constructs that were being created and that she had become used to mm-hmm. and was trying to fit into and was failing at um even before she like kind of came to this realization um she just decided to destroy it all and um to be able to kind of start anew and um so i don't know if that makes her i like agent of chaos i don't know if that makes her a devil because it you know devil is always so negative and well yeah i mean i i don't think so i think like for the time yeah she would have been like you know I guess the flip side of Angel doesn't necessarily have to be devil, but right. she's like the contrast. Yeah, and it's interesting because it's like with Mademoiselle Ray, she's just going to be written off as a Spencer. She's going to be written off as a rude woman. Um, and no one's going to, the only people that understand are going to take her seriously. Everybody else is just going to write her off. But if and when the actions of edna become clear to everybody and like they're starting to see her do this Mm -hmm. they like automatically are like okay well we need to step in and help her something they're like she needs a doctor yeah they do and they're like something's wrong with her we need to fix this they're like why are you acting like this let's send you away um they immediately like try to quote-unquote save her it's like almost like she's like the fallen angel so she's yeah. not exactly Lucifer, uh, but she's yeah. definitely, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. She's just like, she's definitely, quote unquote, lost her way in their world. Um, yeah. And that to yeah. me is like fascinating because I feel like Kate Chopin is just like, why is there, why are there two extremes? And then where you fall in the middle isn't good enough yeah you know what I mean like why is it Mm -hmm. not okay why does it need to be fixed why do you have to remain on each Mm -hmm. end um and she's definitely playing with that yeah yeah I think she does a really good job like you said and she's like lost in their world but like she feels like she like truly like found herself like she kind of like feels like she has an understanding a little bit of like what she wants or she understands what she doesn't want. I don't know that she ever really figures out what she wants, but so as she's like figuring it, figuring it out and finding herself, everybody, she's like losing herself to the expectations of everyone else. I don't know. I think Chopin does it so cleverly the way that I don't know. It's just such good writing. And I think what's really, really smart are the ages that Chopin chooses so Mademoiselle Race is older. She's like 50, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Adele's probably in her 30s, maybe late, maybe mm-hmm. early 40s. And Edna's 28, I'm yeah. pretty sure. Yeah, she is. And it's like what you just said, she's figuring out at least what she doesn't want. And like if you think about it in contemporary terms, that's exactly what you do in your 20s. Yeah. Is you figure out what you don't mm-hmm. want. You know, you go in being told this is what you want, this is how you're going to get it, mm-hmm. and then being disillusioned usually and figuring out, okay, well, maybe I didn't really want that. Maybe I want this. Yeah. And it's all about exploration. And that's a lot of what your 20s are, especially mm-hmm. for women. And like for for Chopin to do this in this setting and as a mother and a wife already yeah, is pretty, pretty, you know, ahead of her time, I think. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I think... 
that goes, I can go over to my next point now too, because I think that what you were talking about in your twenties and figuring things out and how women weren't really allowed to do that. I think that my second point is about exploring love for yourself and for others um, outside of marriage. And this is, I'm sure there are other books that do this, but this is the first book of this time period that I've read anyway, that really talks about like self-love or exploration and also like is kind of like scandalous in the way that this was for its time where she like falls in love with another man while still married. I don't know. I feel like that um, it's not really something that's explored a lot in Victorian literature. I don't know. Maybe I'm just like, there's, there's like, not in this way, not in this way where it's like so explicit. And so like the unhappiness and pining and desire is so explicit, which I loved oftentimes it's just hinted at. And so I think that her kind of having all of these thoughts out loud and like talking in her, her inner monologue about it and about to what it means to have love for your kids and sacrifice part of yourself or not sacrifice part of yourself for your kids. The kinds of books that I've read from this era, at least I just don't haven't read that many where they're that where the main protagonist is a mother so I thought that was really interesting like kind of trying to balance self-love and identity with love for your kids I don't know I think she's doing a lot of really interesting things outside of just the confines of marriage that I've not read before Mm -hmm. I definitely the way you worded that it reminded me actually I'm curious if if while writing she draw drew any inspiration from Anna Karenina because mm. a lot of that is explored in Anna Karenina, but it's not the focal story. I mean, it, I mean, Anna is the name of the book, but there's other side stories mm. um, that are just as important to that. And again, that explores the happiness of a marriage and a family mm. versus the happiness of a woman. Yeah. Um and I think you're right in that she like kind of she takes it a step further than anybody has really done before. And if if anybody listening has read a book that was written prior to this that does that, I would love to know. Mm-hmm. Um, not to prove me wrong, vibes. It's more like a, I would love to read it, you know, yeah. I, you know, um, and be more well versed in that historical context. Um, but I think what's interesting at least for me, the way I read it was that uh, the whole love affair, if you want to really call it that, it wasn't really a love affair. It was like a, it was, it was a self-love journey. I feel like um, an exploration of what it's like to be loved and what it's like to want to be loved. Um, And I think that stemmed more from a friendship and from a man seeing Edna as a woman rather than as a mother and as a wife. And I think that's what the quote unquote first awakening was. And I, and I think it discredits what, what could have been with this story to say that she her, her first awakening was a love of a man that wasn't her husband, because I feel like, he addresses her as a person and she has yet to be addressed as one. And so that I feel like is her awakening is that she realizes a woman can be a person. Mm -hmm. And before that she couldn't. And 
I mean, even look at the other women around her. Like everybody has a label. Like you know, Mademoiselle, mm. Mademoiselle um, Race is an artist and a spinster. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Adele, we stand. Yeah, right. <laughs> Adele is a wife and a mother. Like you know what I mean? They they have roles, whereas Edna is kind of not happy with those roles, and here comes a man that is not addressing her in those roles. He's just addressing her as a person talking to her. And I actually wrote down one of the quotes that kind of came with, I think, um, you know, I think it was upon uh, Robert's leaving and her realizing it was only after his departure that she realized she was infatuated and attracted to him. Mm -hmm. During, she was like, stop fucking flirting with me, weirdo. Like, she was <laughs> yeah. very much, like, just like, I just enjoy your company. And, and you know, mm-hmm. it was very innocent in that way. And then he left and she started feeling the constraints of marriage. Mm-hmm. And I end this quote, I, if you don't mind me Go reading ahead. it. It's on in the copy of the book that we read. I think it's The Penguin one the penguin classic um on page 103 the paperback um so it starts they jeered and sounded mournful notes without promise devoid even of hope she turned back into the room and began to walk to and fro down its whole length without stopping without resting she carried to her hands a thin handkerchief which she tore into ribbons, rolled into a ball, and flung from her. Once she stopped and, taking off her wedding ring, flung it upon the carpet. When she saw it lying there, she stamped her heel on it, striving to crush it. But her small boot heel did not make an indenture, not a mark upon the little glittering circlet. I think that's just so powerful that she's trying to destroy the symbol of her marriage and what she views as like a shackle almost. Yeah. Um, and, and she this, can't, and she can't, and this begins when she's at sea. It doesn't begin when she's in New Orleans and she starts doing all those crazy things, like going out and <laughs> painting, painting, <laughs> painting, and redecorating. Oh my! Um, she has a photograph of a man in her house. <laughs> someone called the doctor. She's hysterical. Um, but it, it's sorry. <laughs> it's, it is. Um. She, it starts at the sea. And I think that is what began for me, at least, the motif of the sea and the symbol it carried throughout the book and what it represented for Edna and how it how for her it was freedom and and a personification of um of herself, of like, you know, how it was endless and how it was something that once scared her. And then when she finally dove in and had someone like Robert say, it's okay, I'll be there, mm-hmm. but like, you you can handle it. Yeah. She realized how much she loved it and how much ease it granted her. Um, and and that she comes back to again and again. She always thinks she wants to return to the sea, and eventually she, she, does. she does. Um, yeah, we'll touch on that in a, in a bit, but yeah, I think just your points about love and self love, uh, outside of marriage. I she does find it with Robert in a in a philosophical sense, they kind of. They never truly get together until the end when Robert returns. And even though he's like, 
a scared little shit and like running away from her um you know it doesn't last because because of too many things in society that hold them back or rather hold him back i feel like yeah. she was ready to throw it all away. yeah girl was she, ready so do you was. think do you think she didn't really love him she just loved the idea of him and like being seen like she would have loved anyone that kind of helped her realize that it wasn't because I I think that's right I think yeah yeah I do because I when I read when I heard about this story being talked about I've heard about it on podcasts and I you know I knew a little bit about it before it was presented as like a love story that like it was like she had a sexual awakening and Mm -hmm. and you know and that really like was like unheard of and this was banned and all this Mm -hmm. stuff and I thought it was gonna be so scandalous but when I read it I was like no, she she loved the idea of what Robert could be to her. Yeah. Robert presented a man that saw her as a person and that liked her for her flaws and liked her for her mind and and wasn't trying to pigeonhole her. But at the end, when they finally did, you know, reunite when Robert came to New Orleans and they kept running into each other Mm -hmm. she sought him out and then you know eventually just fate happened and they went away to the sea because that's where his mother was Mm -hmm. he eventually left her spoiler um (laughs) because he couldn't handle the confines of society because I think he knew he knew that if they continued the journey that they were in one there would be scandal more than there was yeah and two if he were to marry her, he probably would then eventually pigeonhole her in the same roles yeah. she was escaping from to be with mm-hmm. him. And I think he wasn't capable of not differentiating those two parts of himself. I don't think he was able to be the no. lover and the husband yeah. that she needed. And so yeah. I just don't think it was like a, a true love match um yeah I think maybe it was on his part but not on her part I don't know when he finally confesses his feelings and love at the end I was like hell yeah like Mr. Darcy who like this is great and then he just fucking leaves and I don't know like that's a good point I think I don't know if it was like because my first reading was like he's a fucking coward (laughs) like face it like a man um but I don't know I feel like maybe you could read it as like selfless rather than like selfish like he's not wanting to do that to her I don't know I yeah I think he really loved her I and I think I don't know I think she did really love him I don't know I feel like she could have loved anyone who would have brought her out of that kind of stupor but it I don't think it doesn't I don't think it means that she didn't really love him because of the events that follow that, it leads me to believe that she really did love him. But maybe she just loved the idea of an escape so much that they couldn't be separated. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it could also be, it could also be that like, it's a very, the whole him coming to his quote unquote senses and leaving is like turning that concept of an affair on its head. Because when you think about it, um, a lot of stories from that time period and prior are like the woman comes to her senses and does the right thing. 
Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's always a lot of those stories had morals to them. Mm-hmm. And so like, like Jane Eyre, she goes back to him and like, um, that's the only one I can think of at this particular moment, but it's like, it's in order for it to be like, I don't know, a woman like to remain the angel in the house, she has to come to her senses. Whereas in this case, yeah. it was Robert, it was a man that did that. And so I think that's fascinating because it allows Edna to be the protagonist through and through and yeah. to be the one with the autonomy at the end of the day and not give into societal pressure and not give into the moral of the story. Yeah. Um, I thought that was kind of also interesting. So like, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe she really did love him and he really did love her. But Kate Chopin was like, no, I'm going to make a fucking point with this. Yeah. You know, that, you know, society fucking ruins everything. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I guess, so that also kind of like, I guess we can, if you want to discuss the ending, we can't like if you, okay. Because like thinking about her as a protagonist and having control and agency, like I uh, like was thinking about like her suicide at the end and spoiler and um, like doing it, like, is it an act? Is she, I mean, obviously like she exhibits signs of clinical depression that, you know, go undiagnosed because that's not a thing at the time, but I don't know if it's, I think it's arguable whether or not it's like a depressive episode or like she's exercising agency over herself and her life. Um, Like, I I don't, I don't know. I guess it's up for debate. I'd love to know like your thoughts on it. Um, I'm a bit torn on the ending, to be honest. On one hand, I could say that it, you know, is a full circle of the symbol of the sea for her, that she just becomes one with it. Mm -hmm. Um, it could be, you know, that she'd rather die than not live with love. Um, it could be that she just gives into her depression and just knows that there's no way out for her because, you know, we can talk about that bit too, but, you know, she does suffer from it and they even talk about it a little bit, which is very surprising for this time. But the more I think about it, the more I maybe cynically think that uh it's actually a result of the time period that this was written because protagonists that were women had to either at the end of the story be married or die Mm -hmm. it was never like they couldn't like look at the uh little women you know they had to marry her but you know louisa may alcott didn't want joe to be married at the end she just wanted her to be on her own Mm -hmm. But they wouldn't publish it like that. And I think for Kate Chopin, she might have faced that same dilemma with publishing this because she published it under her own name, which means she didn't use a pseudonym like George Eliot. Mm -hmm. She, you know, it was clearly a feminist, whether what your view on feminism was, is and will Mm -hmm. be. It is a, a book at its core about a woman. Yeah. And about her feelings and her thoughts and her agency. And, you know, that's a lot (laughs) for Mm -hmm. them to take in in 1899. So I think she maybe had to kill her off because 
the idea of a woman that did this much damage to her life. The, The idea of a woman that was willing to risk it all for this love that ended up not working out mm-hmm. for her to pursue all of her passions, to move away, to do what she wanted. She had to have consequences in the yeah. world that was presented at the time. So they made it a tragedy. And I, and I, you know, that could be the case. I don't know. I don't know. Kate Chopin. I don't know her life, <laughs> but yeah. um, the more I think about it, the more, uh, I don't know. A part of me is like, that's why she did it. That's why she wrote this ending. Is not is. I mean, there could be a million different ways to analyze it, but at the end of the day, I think it would have been more scandalous for this woman to live on. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And to live happily on. Yeah. Um, well, and I think that's what she's saying, right? Like to a degree, like outside of at least for okay maybe for mademoiselle race right because she never married but once she has this awakening she's already got a a husband and kids and she's trapped there's no life for her after this because there's no divorce and you can't just like abandon your kids right so she can't have that kind of life that she sees in mademoiselle race so it's either you know being with her husband and her kids that's like, that's her only option. Right. So there's, I think that's what Kate Chopin is saying. Like there's, there's no other way out for her and she chooses to kill herself rather than to go back to the life that she knew before, because she saw that glimpse of happiness in Mademoiselle Reese and with Robert, she knows she can't have it, that it's never going to be an option for her. Um, so, ugh. but I'm curious. So you thought Mademoiselle Reese was happy. I did. Okay. I didn't take her as happy. Really? <laughs> I took her as content um, and stubborn and not willing to budge her life and doing what she wanted. But I don't know if she was truly happy because, you know, if you think about it, at least the way she was presented, no one liked her. Yeah. No, you know, no one could, even Edna could only take so much time with her. Yeah. She was somewhat unbearable. And I feel like for, because that could have been, that could have been a Maybe not happy, maybe fulfilled. In a way. But I, I feel like for Edna, like, like we were talking about earlier, she, I think she strived for that kind of fulfillment, but she also saw the company that that Mademoiselle was able to keep and wasn't able to keep. And I don't think Edna liked it because like, think about it. When she moved out into her little house, she liked hosting. Yeah. She liked conversation. She liked being around like-minded people. And I think she knew that if she chose the path that she did and ended up being like Mademoiselle Race, she wasn't going to have that. Yeah. So she she couldn't get her both worlds. And so she chose none of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not true. arguing with you. No, 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 no. I know. That out there. No, no, I think you're right. I think maybe what I was thinking is she's kind of envying the option, you know, or at least yeah. the possibility of it. She, yeah. Maybe she doesn't want to be just like her, but she wants to have the ability to shape her own yeah. life the way that she does. And she just 
like the lack of lack of ties the lack of yeah. strings yeah. that a husband and children mm-hmm. unfortunately yeah give to you you know yeah um and just, i think it's yeah. so interesting too that like her last word like adele and her like the last exchange they have at least like documented in the book is like adele says to her like think of the children think of the children you know and then she is like <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to go, like, kill myself. So, you know, like, it's just, like, it's, yeah. it's so, I like, honestly, I'm going to be so for real. I forgot she had kids for, like, a little bit of the book because she, like, wasn't thinking about them. She's, like, in her own world. She's depressed. She sent her kids off to live with her dad for a bit. So, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, she but did I, not want to think about the children. No. <laughs> they no. were a burden for her. Holy cow. Oh, um, yeah. But or I, is it, or is it just so? Uh, yes, or is it that? Because I think she really did love her kids, and I think oh yeah, she really wanted to be oh, yeah. that good mom, and she knew after this awakening, she was never going to be able to be the mom that they deserved, like Adele, mm-hmm. and she thought maybe I'm better off dead than to be like an absent mother who's never really going to love them. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like maybe she, like I don't know. I guess you could argue that like maybe she in her twisted like in, in like her mind kind of twisted it to think like she was thinking of the kids by taking herself out of the equation because she knew that she was just gonna like fuck her kids up you know yeah i mean I that that no that's a valid point because like you know um it does address her depression at the time and how like originally you know there's parts there's this one section where it's perfectly put in my opinion it's page 109 where there's two separate paragraphs and the first paragraph starts with there were days when she was very happy and then it goes in to describe that and then the second following paragraph immediately says there were days when she was unhappy and it goes into that and that's a very good very tight way of saying like you know she was depressed and she suffered from mental illnesses and and anxieties and all these things and you're right she couldn't be the kind of mother she didn't not want to be there for her children but she knew that like she could only do it in spurts and then she would like grow tired of it and it felt tedious to her at Mm -hmm. sometimes and there were times where she was overwhelmed with like love Mm -hmm. and and longing for her children and you know when they start talking about her being depressed it actually begins in my opinion when the husband is talking to a doctor about it. And the mm. only reason he's talking to the doctor is because I think they were at the gentleman's club or something, or maybe yeah. he wants to see the doctor for himself, whatever. The husband lived his own fucking life and did whatever he wanted. Um, mm. And he went to see the doctor and he's like, okay, well, what should I do? Like, should I send her away? Should I, like, she doesn't mm. even want to go to her sister's wedding. Who doesn't want to go to their sister's yeah. wedding? And it's like, she explained to you why she didn't want to go. Like she thought it was stupid and like, she just didn't want to deal with it. Like it's so, it's like, so funny. It's like, so, he's such a man. Cause he's talking to the doctor and like Kate Chopin's fucking funny. And in this book, she's like, you know, the, the, you know, husband is like, Oh, she's not herself. She's not doing laundry. She's not making dinner for me. She's not doing this. And it's like, literally she's like, so obviously like, 
not herself because she's like depressed and going through something and he's like oh she's not making me dinner she's crazy like something's wrong with her like it's just so <laughs> yeah it's so funny to me like, she's like is life worth living I don't know whatever and he's like wow she's not doing laundry she must be sad it's like what <laughs> like yeah. I don't know Kate Chopin does such a good job yeah. of making the husband seem like just such a dolt which he is yeah it's but. no and then he finally he goes to the doctor because uh He's he's he gets freaked out when she says she wants to move because the, the yeah. husband goes to the wedding. I think it's in New York, actually. I think it's up north. And yeah, um, the husband's like, all right, I'll go and represent us. And she's like, all right. She's like, well, I'll stay here. But like, to be honest, I think I'm going to sell the house or at least I want to get a little house for myself. He's like, why? Why would you want to do that? She goes, it's too big for me. And like, I don't want to keep keep a house like because back then keeping a house was like a fucking job like you had to like manage all this shit and like make sure everything was clean like and he was like what do you mean you don't want to do it and that was like his final straw and like Mm -hmm. going to the doctor and be like i don't know what to do like she's clearly like not like how could she not be herself like when she not doesn't want to serve me she doesn't want to take care of everything for me and like do all these things like clearly something's wrong with her Mm -hmm. and the doctor cracks me up because you would think the doctor would like agree with all this but he's like what do you want me to do and the doctor's literally like wait 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 he's like he's like back up back up he's like don't don't jump to conclusions (laughs) like don't don't send her away I was like do you want her to come talk to me and the husband's like oh no like I couldn't do that because the husband I think is scared of her at this point Mm -hmm. um and scared of what she might do to his reputation yes and the doctor's like, all right, well then just leave her alone. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like just leave her alone and she'll figure it out. Like clearly mm-hmm. she like has some shit on her mind that she has to work through. And so. like, it's clearly all about her. So the yeah. only person that could fix her is her. And, and she also says that to him at one point. I think yes. she's, she just, she's like, leave me alone. I don't want to be in your company. <laughs> like, yes. But he won't listen to her. He'll only listen when the doctor, when another man tells him. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's funny and it's classic and it's sad at the same time, but it's so, so true. It's like, but yeah. you know, and then he leaves her alone to the point where she finds other company. She meets Mr. Arabin and you know, he's a good distraction for her. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, I think it's, I think she just uses sexuality. And when I say she, I mean, Chopin as a way to represent a woman longing to be seen and and I think that's because she knew like her readers were going to need a little bit of something to like help them along because like you know at the time like the concept of a woman just wanting to be seen to be seen was Mm -hmm. like so far-fetched um that you had to sprinkle in oh she wants to be seen by a man Mm -hmm. so that that was why we had Robert and now Mr. Arobin and and his um, scandalous hand kissing. <laughs> they sleep together. Come on. Um, I, know, I know. But when he's like, see, she he like kisses her hand and she's like all flushing. And then it's like, oh, and he left very late. It's like, oh, and what was he doing there? Very late. Mm-hmm. He's doing the dishes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he's helping her with housework. Right. But I just, you know. I think it's I think it's interesting how they explore this depression and they explore this, you know, change in her demeanor and and no one knows how to address it. And I think mm-hmm. that's really 
fascinating because no one did know how to address it. No one even knew how to talk about it. I'm surprised they used the word depression. And so, um, they did. They use the word depression. They did. I remember seeing it at one point with the doctor, at least. I trust you. And it's just, it's like her trying to bring the world out of its shell of like this kind of stuff. And I mean, it, it still isn't fully out of its shell even now in 2023. But um, it what saddens me is that her depression is linked to her and her life and the confines of society. But the way to either quote unquote fix it, address it, or just... I don't know, um, work with it is with a romance or with, you know, with the company of a man. And Mm -hmm. I think that's where Chopin kind of lost me. So that's why with the whole ending where she goes to the sea because, you know, she had Robert and then she lost Robert again. Mm -hmm that bugged me. I was like, you know, she didn't have to do that. She didn't have to be this what was me woman. And, and don't get me wrong. I love a bitch that throws herself under the train, you know, (laughs) but you know, or throws herself off the cliff, but Mm -hmm. it's been done. It's been done. And, but had it been done at this time? Well, yeah. Anna Karenina is the bitch. Well, yeah, but like, I'm just saying, like, I don't, yeah. I'm saying that she didn't have to go. She didn't have to have her world end because a man left. And I think that's where Chopin lost me. I would have loved if the ending was like, she went out to the sea and she felt free and like, blah, blah, blah. But she lived. You know what I mean? Like, she didn't go to drown. I, I think... I agree, but I think that's like what's so interesting. And I maybe like you could argue what Chopin's trying to do is like that was never going to be a possibility for her. I know. Right. Like that would be so unrealistic. So it has to be this way. It just makes me angry that she was back into a fucking corner to do it. You know what I mean? I know. Like the fact I, that it had to be that way. And, uh, but, I know. and no, uh, and I also annoyed the shit out of me sometimes. I'm not going to lie. So. <laughs> yeah, but honestly, what an icon, though. Truly, like every I just I fucking loved her and this book. Like I just thought it was so funny. I loved the writing. Like there were some sentences that were just so beautiful and poignant, and then the next sentence would just be like comedy. Like I don't know, she did such a good job. There are definitely traces of this in like later writing too. Um, have you ever read Virginia Virginia Woolf's To the Lighthouse? No. Okay. There's a character in there that I feel would have resonated with Edna in a way, the mother in it. Um, I definitely think that this is like a jumping off point for a lot of writers. Um, I think Wolf was really heavily influenced by Chopin from what I understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That 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 makes sense. sense. And then I think it's interesting because it's like you've got Wharton at this time Mm -hmm. where a lot of her work was like, women just choosing to suck it up and be in a marriage type of thing so like it just um well those are your two options marriage or i guess three marriage spinsterhood or suicide death (laughs) death 
death. Um, yeah, it's just so sad. She was so young. I know. I God, I know. Yeah. Okay. So So I feel like we talked a lot. Um, yeah, we had a good discussion though. Um, is there anything you wanted to add before we go into the ratings? No, I don't think so. Let's do it. You want to go? I have two. So I have one rating for like a book written at this time. And then I also have one as a contemporary reader. So for this time period, I'm giving it a three quarter razzle. Okay. Um, and that's because when you look it up, when you look at the description, it says it focuses on women's issues without condescension and as the early feminist movement. Um, did it do that? Yes, for the time period with addressing yeah. women's point of views without a direct relation mm-hmm. to a man the entire time. So does it fulfill that in a way? Yes. Mm-hmm. But as a contemporary reader, I gave this a half and half, a half razzle, half rat, because I think her first awakening is sexual or rather like an infatuation, but I feel like that's not what drives her. So I think that this does Edna a discredit and it ultimately undermines her autonomy and agency and the quote unquote feminist reputation, representation, sorry, that this book is supposed to have. I mm-hmm. feel like that's where it falls short. I'm sure you heard me like being so, yeah. I'm mad that she had to die. I'm mad yeah. that she, yeah. I mean, I get that's good though. It elicits a, it, an emotion from me. Yeah. But like, I'm mad that like everything ended up being about quote unquote a love story or yeah. a man or, you know, the love yeah. of a man or it just, yeah that's where it lost me but i think that's because i have the privilege of being a writer in 2020 a reader in 2023 Mm -hmm. so i don't know what about you (laughs) no that's fair um i just did the one i'm giving it a three quarters razzle i think the writing style and humor like we've already i I mean i've already it's so different it's so smart i think it was already a short novel. I don't know if it could be considered a novella, but I felt like it could have been a little tighter at parts. Like I felt like some of it was just a bit tedious, but um, overall I really loved the writing style and the story and what she did um, and just how many interpretations you can have of it. Um, I mean, the conversation we had about it was so layered. So love that. So I'm going to give it three quarters. Ooh, yeah, it was, it was a nice surprise. I don't, I'll have to look up if see if she has other writing. This is the one that I know about the most by her. I know. Well, she, I know she has like in this Penguin Classics version, like selected stories. Mm-hmm. Are those like written by her too? Um, but I, I don't know. I haven't read anything else by mm-hmm. her either. Yeah, have to explore her more. Um, but yeah, that's enough. Uh, Kate Chopin for now, though. I'm not gonna read her for a while. She's a lot. Um, yeah, she is. What uh, what do you have up uh on your TBR? going um i i am gonna finish throne of glass this year if it's the last fucking thing i do i (laughs) am gonna read tower of dawn nothing in my way now i'm gonna read that kingdom of ash is next preparing myself for crescent city in january um having finished all of them and then i'm gonna read i didn't know i needed this but eli rollo um because I think, like, yes, yeah, she's an influencer. Yeah, she's a TikToker. But um, I don't know. I really like her advice. And the live show was fun. And it made me want to read the book. So 
that's uh, what I'm going to do. And I'm a single woman in my 20s in New York, and that's exactly the target demo for this book. So we love an on brand. We love it. We love being on brand. And I know this is a an audio medium, but I did my nails to match the book cover for the event. <laughs> that's so and cute. It's so cute. I know. Like, wow. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm committed to the bit. What are you going to (laughs) read? I'm not committed to the bit. Oh, well, actually, this one I am. Um, I was going to say, yes, you are. (laughs) So I am going to round out my obsession with Olivia Blake by reading one for my enemy, which is the last standalone that I have to read by her. Um, I picked it up from the library today. I am excited. And this maybe hopefully will hold me over until January when the third Atlas book comes out. Um, and then I need inspiration, uh, which we can talk off pod, but anybody listening that wants to send me some recommendations, I need inspiration for the remainder of my reading challenge this year. I am so close. I can taste it. I know I fell a little bit behind, but I feel like if I just like power on through and like just do a lot of like, I have to read after Rouge only like seven books. (gasps) yeah in two weeks it's not two weeks it's three weeks okay um we'll, we'll talk off I'll I'll give you some good facts <laughs> I just like I need to like find something I I just I gotta keep going man um if I don't make this challenge I'm gonna be pissed. I'm gonna think about short I am so fucking you close read, you can read of my cement by John Steinbeck it's like 60 pages I read that in high school and I want my life back okay um wow okay I don't like John Steinbeck. We've had this conversation. Okay. Okay. Never mind. Sorry. I didn't mind East of Eden. <laughs> the big chonker. <laughs> what can okay. I say? I'm multifaceted. But um, yeah, we'll talk off pod. So uh, on that note, I guess I will lead us out of this pod and this year. Be sure to follow more of our bookish antics on our bookstagrams at there's ink on my hands, all one word, and grapes underscore of underscore ash. Share Razzle Frats with friends, lovers, even enemies. Feel free to leave a review, comment, or subscribe where you get your podcasts. Also check out our podcast Instagram at RazzleFratPod, all one word. Come for the books, stay for the coffee-fueled conversation. And now we shall bid adieu to you. That's Razzle Frat. <laughs>